Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, this is Basketball Hall of Famer Rick Barry. I'm one of the NBA's top 50 players. You're listening to The Jake Brown Show. And welcome to The Jake Brown Show, everybody. CBS Radio's Play.it Network. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify. Jake Brown Radio, Jake Brown Show. On Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of that. In the building, on the telephone line. will be in New York City, though. This weekend to see his son Canyon play in the Sweet 16 as the Florida Gators move on. They'll take on Wisconsin on Friday. They don't get the one seed in Villanova, which this guy might be happy about. His dad, an NBA legend, one of the 50 greatest ever, and basketball Hall of Famer, Rick Barry. Rick, what's going on, man? Just uh, happy to be getting up every morning. And, you know, when you get to be this age, you'll experience it. You start losing a lot of friends and uh, all kinds of health issues. I've been blessed, so I uh, hope everybody have the kind of life that I've been blessed to have. Yeah, and your son right now, he's kill, He's more than just an underhand free throw shooter. He's a guy who averaged double figures a game off the bench during the regular season. This guy is a brainiac. He's a 4.0 student, um, killing it in the textbooks. And now his team is Sweet 16 bound. The Florida Gators haven't made the tournament since 2014. And now they will try for a trip to the Elite Eight when they take on Wisconsin at MSG. Got to be proud of your son here for the season he's had in the one season with Florida and now the run that they're about to go on. Well, I'm proudest of him, actually, for what he's done away from the game of basketball. That's just a bonus. My son, as you mentioned, is a very brilliant young man. He was the uh, Division One men's basketball academic first-team All-America of the year. Uh, that's the second time he's gotten that award. He was a second team as a sophomore. And my wife and my son are the only mother son combination who were two-time academic All-Americas of the Year first team in men's and women's basketball in Division One. So that's a pretty cool thing. And I'm proudest of, uh, of him for that. And he was SEC Sixth Man of the Year. And, you know, played minimal minutes and was second leading scorer on the team. You know, very close behind the first guy. And actually can play really well. People have only seen the tip of the iceberg with my son. I just am hoping that some NBA team is... Uh, and to give him an opportunity because I think it would be a, a great find and a steal for them to get my son at a minimum salary to get a chance to develop in the NBA when he has a chance to not be in the labs and actually work on his basketball game. There's no telling how good he might come. But people haven't seen his athleticism. He played a lot of the season, a good portion, a month or so with two sprained ankles. And he can play. I mean, he's a very good player. And when I talk about my son, I only talk about him as a, as a basketball person, not as a father. Obviously, as a father, I'd be you know, <laughs> be up on a pedestal with a loudspeaker and microphones <laughs> talking about him. But as a basketball person, he can play and has a chance to be a nice player. And an 88% free throw shooter obviously took the underhanded thing from you. Um, he's got to get more playing. Can Mike White put him on the floor a little more here? 17 minutes against Virginia <laughs> and 16 yeah. against East Tennessee State. What's going on here? Yeah, look, I, I, don't, I, I really don't know. And my son just does what he can do and accepts what it is. I mean, three, four shots a game. I mean... It's it's tough, you know, uh, that his minutes have gone down, but the team's winning, and so he accepts it. My son is the ultimate team player. If you watched him in those two games, he's there talking to his players, he's extolling him, he's cheering for him, he's being the ultimate team player. 
and I know that he feels that he's capable of, of doing more to help the team, and hopefully the coach will decide that uh, there's an opportunity that presents itself where they may, may need my son to play well. But when Devin Robinson is playing as, as nicely as he's playing, uh, I think the coach finds it difficult to find you know to put him in the game. Uh, he, he likes to go with the two small guards, uh, the point guards at one and two. And so even when Kayvon Allen has been struggling, the number one scorer on the team, um, he goes with the small guards. And so that's a decision the coach has to make. And if they're winning and they're successful, it's pretty hard to argue about it. You have to be confident in him and the team here as they face the eight seed Wisconsin. They win that. They'll play their Baylor, South Carolina. They got Duke out of here. They got Villanova out of here. The Gators right now, I mean, they they won back-to-back in 2006, 2007, are in position here to, to be there in the Final Four right now. Yeah. They got a great chance, then, no question. And I'm sure that the way the coach approaches things, they're going to be totally and completely focused on what they need to do to try to beat Wisconsin. They're not going to worry about who the winner is of the next game, and that's where you have to approach it. And if they go out and play the kind of basketball they're capable of playing on both ends of the floor and everybody gets involved, uh, I think they can beat anybody. And I think they would have possibly given a tough time to any of the other teams that have been knocked out. So that's what's interesting about the NCAA tournament. The best team doesn't always win the championship. A one and out, anybody can have an off game and somebody's going good and you wind up losing. But the real true test of a champion is a team that can win four out of seven in a series like they do in the NBA. But that's what makes the NCAA so exciting. And that's why it's called March Madness because crazy things happen just like we've seen so far in this tournament. Why didn't John and Brent go the underhanded route, but Canyon did? What was it about Canyon that well, made Brent him actually, good? Brent actually sat underhanded in college and shot exceptionally well, high 80s. And, hmm. uh, and he made the switch back. I don't know why. He I certainly would have been a 90% free throw shooter. Time. He was really disappointed that, that he didn't shoot 90%. That was his goal to get there. But he's gotten better every year and shot up the range, shooting around 88% or more. I think in the tournament he's shooting 90% right now. And I just like to see him get a chance to get to the line more and you know have a chance to contribute to the team, which I know he can do. But it's just a matter of what the opportunity is that presents itself, and he'll be ready regardless of what it is that he's asked to do. And that's the kind of player that he is. And I think, I think that goes a long way with scouts when you look and you see a player who, if he had been playing on other teams, and even coach said it, and been a starter and playing 30-plus minutes a game, my son, without question in my mind, would be a 20-plus point per game scorer and show so many other things because he'd have the ball in his hands and he sees the floor and he gets the ball to people. And I think the team plays exceptionally well when he's in the game. In fact, in the first game of the tournament, uh, they when he was in the game, they it's when they got it up to a double-digit lead. Was it difficult for him to go to Florida where he knew he would get less minutes than at Charleston? Well, he didn't know that. Mm. <laughs> you know, so I'm sure it was a disappointment. But again, being the ultimate team player and the kind of person that he is, he accepted the role given to him. Uh, but he went there more than just because of basketball. If that were the case, hell, I would have sent him to Mike Dunleavy, my teammate down in Tulane, who would have probably run the offense to him, and he would have scored a lot of points. But he wanted to go someplace where he had a chance to go to the NCAA tournament and get a great mm. education and go into his nuclear engineering for his master's, which he, I just found out his midterm this year. He just got 94 on his test. The guy, my son's really, very smart. And so it was about the education. And Florida had a nuclear reactor, and so they had the education part of it, and he knew he had a chance to go to the NCAA tournament. So that's happening. You know, he's at the Sweet 16. Not many players have the opportunity to do that, and they have a chance to go beyond that. So from that standpoint, it's worked out well for him. Yeah, has he sacrificed? For his basketball part of it, yeah, it's been a big sacrifice for him. People haven't seen what he can do, but he's enjoying the success of the team. NBA legend Rick Barry on the Jake Brown Show. You have to figure, while the stats may not lead him to be a second-round pick here, you have to 
imagine he brings something to an NBA franchise's table uh, when the time calls. He's got the basketball royalty in the family. Uh, do you see a bright NBA future here for your son? Yes, I, I think my son could be a very good NBA basketball player, especially with the rosters going to 17. And stats should not mm. determine. I mean, figure the stats. Okay, so what would he do if he was playing 32 minutes a game yeah. and he was the focal point of the offense when he's scoring you know, 12 now? And at one point he was, you know, I mean, during this, this season and before he hurt his ankle, he was actually in the SEC. He was averaging 15 points a game and was the leading scorer on the team. In fact, coming off the bench and playing minimal minutes, he led the team in scoring more times than anybody else on this team. So, yeah, I mean, you can't just look at the stats themselves. You have to watch the kid play and see what he can do. And as I say, people haven't seen his athleticism. He was hampered with the ankle stuff. My son, you know, got the 38 to 40 inch vertical. I mean, he can and he he can play, and he's got the ability to handle the ball, pass the ball, do those things. But he doesn't get a chance to do that because the way this team plays, the ball is in the hands of the point guards the majority of the time, and the two guards, and he's playing back up to three, and Devin Robinson's playing well, so he's making the most of the opportunity that he's given and being the ultimate team player, which I think if I'm a scout, I'm going to say, hey, here's a kid that's already shown what he can do as a guy coming off the bench. Well, if he goes to an NBA team and he did make their active roster, he's going to be coming off the bench. <laughs> so yeah. they, they know he's smart. He knows how to play the game. And I, to me, that's the kind of kid that I want to have on my team. You don't want guys that are all thinking they're going to go out there and be the next big star. You want guys that are going to be willing to – go out there and do the job and be the ultimate team player and that's what my son would do hey we'll, we'll take him here on the knicks or the nets uh in a heartbeat in new york you know that he could bring a lot to the table next year rick barry here on the show now underhanded free throws in general in my mind it, it only seems well it worked well for you it worked well for your son why don't do we see more players not do it because of the fear of being mocked in some way yeah, I, I, I don't understand that. In fact, he talked to one of his, talking to one of his teammates who I think would be a great candidate for it. And he said, well, okay, you can deal with it. I don't know if I can take that and take the, you know, the, the scrutiny and everything else. And well, here's the thing. And I think it was sent best because they did a little thing before the game the other night in the first game of the, in the NCAA tournament for, for the Gators. And I think it was Kenny Smith who said, hey, what are you talking about making fun? He said, you, you, you get made fun of and you, and you look foolish when you miss your free throws. Hmm. So what difference does it make how you shoot them? And my father always said, son, they can't make fun of you when you're making them. And that's what I told my son. And my son now understands and realizes that. He said, people making fun of me because I shoot that way are the ones that look like fools because I'm making my free throws. Isn't that what the, <laughs> what the, the object is, is to go ahead and make as many free throws as possible? So it's crazy. I just don't know the aversion to it because what, what difference does it make if you do something out of the box as long as it works? Yeah, and it's worked out well, 88%. Did, did he talk with you about, at, when he first did it, about ever getting mocked and it, it, it uh, affecting him at all uh, emotionally? No, well, he had heard about that when I had said that if you make a decision to do it, I showed him how to do it. And it was two weeks before the start of his junior year in high school. He said, Dad, I think I'm going to make the switch to underhanded. I said, that's great, son. Good luck to you. That's awesome. So he had analyzed it. And then I just said to him, but I think it might have been a better idea if you had made this decision in the spring or at the start of the summer so you could have had all that time to practice hmm. to make it two weeks before the season starts. And as it was, he didn't shoot it great, but he was in the 70s. And then finally, I said, so, look, you've got it down. And I would work with him and we'd go over and I'd point out little things. And I said, look, all you got to do is shoot more. Just get out there and shoot thousands of these things and keep doing it until you get the feel. And once you get the feel, it's gonna be, you're going to feel like it's automatic and you're going to be upset with yourself every time you miss it. He did that. He went up to like 84, 85% Nine point nine percent. He missed the free throw, and he was so upset with himself. But he, he's, I think, 
eventually, if he continues to play, which I think he's going to do, if not in the NBA, or maybe overseas, that he's a, he's a ninety percent free throw shooter, and that's that's great free throw shooting. Do you and him have a difference in form at all in the way you did it? Yeah, well, because my son said that I can't do it the way you did it because when I bend down, the ball hits my shorts because <laughs> their shorts are so much longer than the short shorts that we wore. Yeah. If you saw the New York Life commercial that I did, which was a lot of fun to do, and I'm just I'm so thrilled to be involved with them because I believe so much in what New York Life does. You know, be good in life. I mean, what they do in the financial end of things is awesome, and people need to learn more about it. But you know, I I, I had the short shorts, and they wanted to make them even shorter on me in the commercial, but <laughs> and it wasn't a problem. And I sense that it's a dad, I have to do it. So he had to make an adjustment and hold the ball out away from his body a little bit more so that it wouldn't be impacted by when he bent down with the, his arm of the ball actually hitting the shorts. Yeah, that, that commercial is awesome. If you haven't checked it out, the New York Live commercial. And, yeah, it's incredible seeing the difference in style. I mean, now it goes down below your knees, the shorts. Then uh, it goes up to your crotch in the, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s. But they're getting a little shorter. If you notice Devin Robinson and some of the guys, D-Rob on his team, but all the shorts are not as long as they used to be. It used to be down where it's like the knees, and they finally put something that can't be below the knees. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they're starting to creep up a little bit. Uh-oh. I, mean, I would want to wear those shorts. I mean, they're, it's a lot more to carry around. They get sweaty. They get wet. They get in your way. I mean, poof, who needs them? Yeah, bring back short shorts. Uh, we got to get the movement going. Um, yeah, a, there was an old song like that. Who do you wear short shorts? Yeah, it's a classic. Uh, it, was, it, was, it was talking about girls at that time. Right? I'm trying to think who sang it, though. Ugh, the artist is, I'm going to look it up. Uh, Rick Barry's here on the show on the Jake Brown Show. We're talking Canyonberry. Uh, father, son, obviously the recent stuff that's come up is uh, LeVar Ball, who can't keep his mouth shut. And it, in my mind, it seems like he's only hurting uh, Lonzo's draft stock. Can you make sense of what uh, Pops is doing here? Uh, yeah, I think he's vicariously trying to live through his son, and he's really getting a little carried away with it. He's, he is doing his son a bit of a disservice. I mean, the son is a good enough player that his play could speak for itself. Um, I, I do know for a fact that there may be some teams that would say, look, it, there's some other kids out there that are close to this. I don't want to have to have this kid here and have to deal with his father. I mean, they may do that. I do know for a fact that one of our my great teammate Butch Beard on the championship team was traded away and it, I think it hurt our team for a chance to repeat the next year and he was traded away because of the fact that his ex-wife was someone that drove the general manager crazy and he didn't want to deal with her. I'm serious. This is dead truth. So it could conceivably have an impact on who decides to get you know, ball because nobody wants to deal with his father saying the things he says, which are so outrageous. I mean, to sit there and say that, this, that he's better than Steph Curry. And, I mean, come on. I mean, it, yeah. it's just foolish what he's doing. And he just needs to sit back, support his son, enjoy what his son is doing, and let his play do the talking. And he can talk about stuff and say, I really think my son's a nice player. I mean, I'm telling you stuff when I talk to you about a bat, as a basketball person who knows the game. Not just as you know, as a father bragging about his son, and I tell you, the honest truth is, I think my son could be a very nice NBA player, and somebody would be very happy to get him, and he's going to develop into a really nice player if given the opportunity. But I'm not going to stand there and tell you he's better than this person, that person. That's no, I'm not going to do that. That's crazy. And saying it is really having an effect on him because one, the backlash he has to get from it, and two, it, it's making people think that there's something wrong with the whole family. There's an ego. There's an ego. He's an e- ego maniac himself, uh, and it's it's really resulting bad on Lonzo as much as this the rest of the family. Well, yeah, but even his younger brother. I mean, can have even more impact on him. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just not. 
it's not the right thing to do. Then he gets into a thing, and then Charles Barkley and he are getting at it and saying things. I mean, come on. I mean, just it, it's it's foolish. I highly recommend to him as a father who's been through this more times than he has. Back off. Yeah, uh, let's. Lavar Ball's got to pipe it down. He's really becoming a Kardashian at this point uh, with the headlines he's getting. Soon we're going to see a reality show. Um, by the way, short shorts is by the Royal Teens. That is as one hit of a oh, wonder as you're yeah. going to get. One hit wonder, one of the one hit wonders. Yeah, joining uh, Gloria Gaynor as well. Uh, Rick Barry joining us here on the Jake Brown Show. Follow him on Twitter at Rick Twenty Four Barry. Now, your son's balling. You will be coaching in this Big Three tournament, which I'm excited about. It's coming to Barclays Center in Brooklyn in June. Um, can you hoop at all? I, I know you're 72, but can we see you ball a little bit in this tournament, or no chance? Not unless they put the designated free throw shooter rule in. <laughs> they do that, I can still get out there and do that. But no, I'm looking forward to it. It should be, it should be fun. The guys are serious about doing it. It's a great opportunity. Uh, you know, they're having a tryout, so guys have to show that they are in shape and serious about wanting to do this to bring a nice product out to the fans. But the fans get to see four three-on-three games with you know some nice name players out there. With Alan Iverson being a player coach, and they've got some other outstanding players who are part of it, and some Paul Fame coaches and other guys who are going to be coaching the team so it should be entertaining uh, 30 points is halftime and they've got a four point shot so I'm assuming that some guys will probably be out there they need Steph Curry to be doing that probably <laughs> but uh, yeah no it's going to be fun I'm looking forward to it and the only bad part for me is is that and I, and I appreciate what Ice, you know, Ice Cube is doing and he's a great guy uh, it cuts into my fishing because the summer is when I do my fishing trips. I'm going to have to cut some of my fishing trips to Alaska short in order to be able to be there to do the coaching. But I'm going to go a little early, perhaps to to one down in Mexico, place in Mexico with a good buddy of mine, Gary Wagner. It's an amazing place down there, Rancho de Costa. If you ever check it out, it's a great little resort with amazing fishing. And then I'll go after the season's over and and, and enjoy my fishing because that's my new passion. Life. Everybody's got to have a passion. I don't care what it is. You got to have a passion in life because especially find a passion that you love so that you don't work for a living. My passion was basketball, broadcasting, did both of them for many, many years. I don't feel like I ever worked for a living. I worked for a living in college when I did road construction work in the summertime, getting up and working 10 hours a day, six days a week. That was work. That's hmm. You don't want to have someone that says, i got to get up and go to work. You want to be somebody who gets up and say, hey, I get to go do what I love to do and I'm getting paid to do it. Yeah, and I, I know you, you you ran about your son, you ran about hoops, but you ran nothing more about fishing. You love fishing uh, more than anything, and hey, it's it's a great oh, no, America's I love, pastime. I love my wife and my family and my friends more than I fishing. <laughs> All right, fishing <laughs> fourth. I do, All I, right. do love, I do love fishing. There's no question about that. It's uh, every time. Like, the tug is the drug. Every time I get a strike and set that hook, I do fishing with Clifford Ray. Uh, as I said, just with him, stayed at his house when the team when the teams played down in Orlando, where he lives in that area. And uh, unfortunately, the day we went out fishing was an absolutely gorgeous, beautiful day, uh, but there were no fish, so that was very disappointing to me. In this big three tournament, Rick, what's one? Because my my one player I'm really looking forward to seeing if he does play. I don't know if he will. Is Allen Iverson? Is there one guy you're like? Alan's I need playing. to see. What are you kidding me? If he does play, Allen is a, he's the player coach. I hope, but. He's no, the, what do you mean you hope? Well, you never yeah, know with AI, good. but I, I believe he'll be there. Um, well, it's not practice, so he'll be there. <laughs> I'm looking forward to him most. Who's the one guy you want to see lace it up? Well, I'll tell you, a guy that people are going to probably enjoy watching again is Jason Williams. I mean, you know, hmm. with the fanciness, you know, white chocolate, I mean, the white thunder, whatever they wanted to call him back then, white chocolate, I think it was. But he, uh, he's in pretty good shape. I saw some clips of him actually still, you know, playing a little bit now. Man, can he still throw the fancy passes and do the cool things? And, on three on three, you you know it's not like you're playing full court all the time. The guys only are playing once a week, so 
uh, you know, he's going to be fun to watch. And a bunch of the other guys who are taking it very, very seriously. And uh, uh, Rashard Lewis, you know, terrific shooter. That's a nice guy to have. You know, you want to have a guy. You want to have some guys that can shoot the ball from outside. You want to have some guys who can handle it and get to the basket. And then hopefully, you know, have some guys who can play a little defense, protect the basket. And, and I would assume that if you have that on your team, it'll be a lot of outside shooting by guys. And then it, it'll be interesting to see how many guys are going to want to kind of jack up that four-point shot. I don't think that's exactly something as a coach that I want to have in my arsenal unless I had a guy like Rashard Lewis who has that kind of range to be firing up those four-point shots. All right, last one because I know you got to go in a second. The Warriors, uh, you worried here with Duran Hour or you're confident this team will still make a deep run? Well, I'm confident now that I heard that he's back working out, so obviously it's not an injury that they think is going to keep him out for the rest of the season. He'll be well-rested. Um, not worried about them. Everybody's talking about Steph, and he can't do anything, and then when he goes out there and kills him with the threes, uh, you go through slumps sometimes shooting. You're not going to be perfect. And the offense is a roller coaster ride. Defense can be constant. It's all up to how the Warriors team plays defense from a collective standpoint and how well the bench is able to perform to them, because I think the bench is a huge part of their success the last two seasons. And that's going to be a major factor going forward. But they're going to have tremendous competition. There's no doubt about that. They're going to have to be ready to play their best basketball. But certainly they're going to be one of the teams that you have to figure is going to be vying for a chance to go back and uh, try to go for that second championship in three years after the disappointing loss last season to the Cavaliers. And the Cavaliers obviously have loaded themselves up with some other players that have helped them a lot. I would be surprised if anybody other than the Cavaliers, all things considered, and they're healthy, go to the finals. And I think from the standpoint of an excitement standpoint, it would be great to have that uh, have that rematch and you know, see who's going to come out on top uh, three years in a row, whether it's going to be the Warriors or, or the uh, – or the Cavaliers, but you know, no guarantees that either one of them are going to get there. That's why the game is great. You have to play, okay? I mean, you know, paper, all this stuff. Look at these analysts who picked Florida. Every one of the guys before the game <laughs> said, no, what, Virginia, Virginia, Virginia. I mean, not only did the, did the Florida Gators win the game, they absolutely embarrassed and annihilated Virginia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got that's why they play the game. That's why they play 82. NBA Hall of Famer Rick Barry. Follow him on Twitter at Rick24Barry. Rick, good luck uh, to your son this weekend. Hopefully the Gators can get to the Final Four, and uh, good luck this summer at the Big Three. Thank you. Appreciate that very much. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.